Good afternoon, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read It and Weep Season 5, Kevin Bacon's Exquisite Corpse. <laughs> now with Season 4 theme music, we are a motley crew of international soldiers eating playing cards and playing a very long movie-watching game. That's what Kevin Bacon's Exquisite Corpse means. I'm your host, I'm Alex Falcone, recording, as always, from my apartment in North Koreatown, Los Angeles, and I am joined today, first up, he's at Anthony Lopez, part two on Twitter. He's in Southeast Portland. His he podcasts balls out, literally. It's Anthony Lopez. Uh, it's Anthony Lopez for the theatrical run. I'm going to be going by Mr. Lopez for the home video release. <laughs> and then All You Need Is Lopez was the working title and was I'm right. adapted from. But, you know, titles you keep changing. <laughs> All You Need Is Lopez is the subtitle of season season five, for sure. Yeah. Um, also joining us, he's at Hunbun on Letterboxd from the woods of Brooklyn, New York. His uh, second grade teacher as we all know, was uh, Miss Potlio, and she wouldn't let him go to the bathroom, and so he wet his pants. It's Hunter Donaldson. Whoa, hey, I've recorded this podcast before. <laughs> I've already done it once. <laughs> this would be the perfect episode to lose. It'd be hard to stay mad if we, like, deleted it and had to re-record it. Also joining us to round up the panel, he's in Northern California. He, um, he, he doesn't talk that much. It's Ezra Fox. <laughs> You know, Alex, podcast is the great redeemer, the fire crucible in which only true heroes are forged. <laughs> so many true heroes from the podcast world. We can name them all. <laughs> Joe Rogan. End of uh, list. <laughs> the, the guy from the man show. Uh, Adam Carolla. Anyway, all right, let's move on. Um, this show, as always, is uh, supported by our fabulous meat buddies who went to metreon.com and donated to keep the show alive. And I know you're thinking, I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I could handle being a Patreon member for this podcast. Well, with our new technology and just one day of training, <laughs> we're able to get you up to speed. You could and donate you can, over $200. You can keep the ship <laughs> sailing down the tracks. Uh, and we really appreciate everyone who sorts, supports the show. Before we start our game, it's time for segment one, The News. It's a little bit personal news to start out with today, but very important podcast news in case you guys don't follow us on Twitter. Oh, no. I tried, I tried Iron Brew this week. Oh, whoa. Podcast season four running theme, Iron Brew, the Scottish energy drink that is orange, but uh, flavor tastes like you melted down aspirin and then oh, left no. it in the woods mm. for a couple of days. Ew. Um, which I, I tweeted that, uh, that that's what it tasted like. And I many people, and we don't get a lot of responses on our Twitter account. It's not a big presence. Many people responded, you mean that in a good way, right? Mm. <laughs> this is a popular thing, mm. a popular a popular beverage. Um, it was a, uh, a friend of a friend gave him like a Scottish care package that included some actually good tea and some iron bruh. And um, it was, it's very weird. I do not, I, I, this is not, I don't recommend it as a flavor. But it, um, Steve on Twitter said something that was really interesting. He said, so um, it's kind of an acquired wait, wait, sorry, taste. Sorry, sorry, before you go any further, mm. it's a Cairn package. It's a very good, good point. That's, that's right. touche. It's a Cairn okay. package. Very good point. Stack of rocks, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, okay. I didn't think about it. No, I'm, glad we, right? I'm glad we stopped for that. I had, to, go, I had um, to make sure that was Scotland and not somewhere else. <laughs> I was, was going to figure that thinking. <laughs> It's it's just an energy drink, right? Like, <laughs> well, so okay, so here's let me let me read this tweet. So from Steve, who says, "Look, it's an it's an acquired <laughs> taste, um, like beer or coffee or whatever. Um, yeah. It's but it's a, a it's an early Scottish attempt at what is now the caffeine slash energy drink phenomenon. 
So um, if it doesn't do anything else, it bloody wakes you up and distracts you mm. from whatever morning after after effects you were suffering from. So that does change. I, I guess I thought of it as more of a. So didn't we? We found this because it was like free refills on Iron Brew at Pizza Hut. I think no. So I think it it didn't have. I'm not sure it had Iron Brew. Uh, bro- well, anyway, but like I thought, like there was another drink like that, and that that got us on the whole drink tangent. I think. Oh, okay. I, you know, I can never even remember where these things start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knows? We just talked. I do think if it's an energy drink, it should taste bad. Like they could make Red Bull mm. that tasted good. That's well within their power at this point. And they, but they make it taste like pennies and burned medicine and stuff. So you know it's working. Mm. Yeah, yeah. If it tastes good, you're like, well, this must be a treat. But if it tastes yeah. a little bit like you left a battery in it overnight, right, then you're like, this right. must be helping my well, system. You're walking also, around being like, I'm an adult. Look at me. I drink yeah. stuff that tastes like shit. Because I reason. use the effects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want that like last layer of safety to make sure that like if a child gets it, they're not going to be like, oh, this tastes like apples and dreams, right? Ooh, that, wait, that's, yeah. so that, I, I can't tell if you meant that entirely as a joke or entirely seriously, but that's a very good point. If it did taste better, kids would drink too much of it. Yeah, That's I mean, it's, point. Isn't, isn't that actually like a a part of the thought process that goes into making things kind of taste like uh, adults will suffer through this because they have you know right sick fucks and the world has done nothing but yeah. them in the nuts their whole lives. But kids, <laughs> kids still have hope, it. you know. Come on, I think that it, I have, maybe I have heard that about medicine stuff, but yeah, it it tastes <laughs> vaguely medicinal, and that must be on purpose to keep the Scottish kids from eating, t- drinking too yeah, much like iron. And also, I, I I mean, look, I like improving at things, so I, I'm just gonna try to acquire more tastes. Hmm. You know, mm. so like, let me get, let me just acquire all the tastes. I'll like everything. Taste I, it all, Ezra. Yeah, <laughs> the rainbow. I mean, <laughs> like the the two main ones are like alcohol and coffee, right? Those are the two things that people yeah, say are marmite, there's vegemite. There's most mites. Yeah, ve- mites, mm. just mites, um, blue yeah. cheese. Yeah, I do like feeling like an adult, so maybe I do want to like Iron Brew just so I feel it. Because like blue cheese yeah. is a definite like adult thing that kids don't like. List or uh, salt and vinegar potato chips. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I don't like those. I They're guess so I good. Um, I don't like blue cheese, man. I'm not oh, a blue like cheese guy. Ugh. But Do you like if, a, if you you're like a big guess, coffee guy though in general, right, Alex? Like you, oh yeah. And like if you can learn to actually like appreciate and like coffee, and this is something I I enjoy coffee myself. I'm not like uh, I don't like I don't have like the deep bench knowledge that I think you do. But like <laughs> yeah. if you can learn to appreciate coffee, I'm pretty sure you can learn to appreciate anything, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. I think it's probably true. Although when you get more into like nerd grade coffee, it does taste better. Like if you yeah. actually, like if you learn, if you start, ta- if you're first like, oh, I'm going to try coffee is like on an airplane or at a hotel, yeah. it's going to be miserable or like from a 7-Eleven, like that's not good on purpose. Um, but the, uh, not to keep kids away from it, but be, to keep it free. But if you like, if you buy good coffee, like the people early on in coffee referred to it as a sweet beverage. Because if you use actual good coffee and you take care of it, it mostly tastes sweet and and delicious and not as bitter. Bitter is usually like from doing it but, wrong. I mean, like to me, it's like coffee and energy drink. Like I, I, I really like any caffeine. I drink a lot of it in the day, mm-hmm. and that's all I care about. I care about the caffeine in my body, so yes. I will suffer through anything. So none of it is fun for me. Coffee isn't <laughs> fun for me. Energy <laughs> drinks aren't fun for me. Yeah, I need the caffeine. I want as much of it in my body as I can. Uh, 
Yeah, like I'm a not truck a weirdo. Driver. Yeah, I'm not a weirdo. <laughs> okay. I don't want to take take pills or patches. I just yeah. want to grit my teeth and shove a liquid down my throat because that's more socially yeah. acceptable, you know? I mean, coffee um, is perfect because it has that and is also kind of like it's warm in the morning. The smell mm-hmm. yeah. in the house is nice. Like it has a right. lot of it's a good smell, good stuff yeah. around it. I feel like I've only had one good cup of coffee in my whole life. Oh, man. And really? I shit. Where was it? What was it? it would, no, my friend Jared made it for me. And it took oh, him yeah, forever. Yeah, yeah. He, like, had all this stuff that I'd never seen before. He, like, made it with his hands. He, like, made a <laughs> cup of coffee, like, with his hands. He, hand he only made one, every he made one cup. Smushing it bit by bit. <laughs> I don't even understand what he was doing. He had all this stuff that I had never seen anyone use to make okay. coffee before. And then yeah. it, didn't, I, it was so good that it didn't even register as coffee to me. I didn't even know what it was. But it was exactly right. what you're like what you're talking about. Where yeah. it had all this like flavor. It was sweet, you yeah. know. Yeah. I, now, okay. So now I want to fight Jared to the death. I re- I just want to make you a cup of coffee where it's so good that you'd never speak to Jared again. Wow. Oh yeah, no. I I would love yeah. that. I would love some competition That's, here. Yeah, I've only had get off one the Jared good wagon. I want to be your second. Um, one more quick thing that I want to do in the news before I move on. Um, I I want your perspectives, Hunter and Anthony, as video game people. Mm-hmm. on this current phenomenon that i'm enjoying that is maybe a tiny tiny bit of overlap that we have which is uh which is wordle uh-huh. mm-hmm. are you guys playing wordle of course every, every day great anthony are you I've, wordle? Wa- <laughs> I've watched my uh wife play it uh-huh uh but i have not i'm not uh I uh I'm not very good at spelling. It's kind of one of my big um <laughs> things I'm very embarrassed about. Like I don't sure. play playing Scrabble. Yeah. I, I I just I'm very very self-conscious about misspelling words. It's a totally. huge huge thing for me. So word games are not very fun. Mm. I was really hoping you were going to reference that you got really into awesome games done quick, which was happening this weekend. Yeah. Uh, is that a speedrunning tournament? It is a uh, a they twice a year. I think we've talked about it on the show before. It sounds a twice a year, um, like speed running, con- not convention, but speed running charity event. They right. raise yes, yes, yes. this year. They raise over three and a half million dollars for a cancer prevention um, foundation. Every year they raise multiple mil- multiple times a year. They raise three to four million dollars for like doctors without borders and they do it just by having people speed run stuff so it's yeah even if you're not really into games it's fun to see i mean it's certainly like, if i was going to be into games fast forward is about yeah. the speed i'd like to watch well them. i mean especially <laughs> i think you know talking about edge of tomorrow which is literally speed, speed running run the movie yep. that's in my yeah. summary it's but, basically like, a game. Okay, but yeah, I, I, let me go back to Wordle for a second because I do want to... Oh, wait, I'll wait, get, wait. Before we move wait. too far away from AGDQ, I just have to throw this out here for anybody that maybe you know what that is, but you just want to check something out. You got to watch this guy, Mitch, do Sekiro Blind blindfolded. That's exactly what I was just going to bring up. It yeah, looks I, like magic. It looks like I, a magic trick. It does I, not make any sense. Okay, I, um, that's it. We can move on. I started watching that last night at midnight thinking i was gonna watch like 20 30 minutes i was up till two in the morning watching this guy (laughs) play that's it's not possible how did he do it he must have cheated he must be cheating it doesn't make any sense wait so what game they plays second row shadows die twice it's an incredibly hard ass game it's just a hard as nails game he played it blindfolded it doesn't he's doing things even just looking at the screen you're like well how is he doing that like i don't understand how this is. I mean, boring. I can get you a gaffed blindfold. Like that's not yeah. hard. <laughs> but the, that's, that's, I think he cheated. I think Mitch cheated. 
the the but like just not just the amount of like playing it, but the fact that he memorized one how many dashes you need from every single checkpoint to get to certain things. He has the entire menu and uh inventory systems men memorized. So he knows exactly how much to go up or down in them when he's switching out items. It's one of the most impressive runs so, I've okay, ever seen. This sounds in my awesome, but life. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that um, Mitch doesn't um, doesn't have a deep social life. Oh, uh, don't I'm judge I'm Mitch. He's Mitch so cool. Yeah. He's no, so Mitch. Okay, all I'm saying, no, no, I'm and not, in, this, not in like a video him. game way. I yeah. mean, like a professional athlete way. Like I think Mitch has over specialized. No, yeah, I mean, I think, well, that's what AGDQ so, is about, buddy. Yeah, but I think that you're you're misunderstanding because I think he has an incredibly deep roster of social life. Because especially like as a comedian, you should understand the idea of people joining something to be a part of a community. His social yeah. life is the speed running community that can raise up to four million dollars multiple times a year with thousands. I mean, this guy has. Thousands of Twitch viewers. He hangs out and talks with other speedrunners. Like he didn't. I guess I don't mean, so, I don't mean social life. I mean like work life balance. Uh, well, it's like it's like it's like the way you know if you if you if you if, look if you if you love what you do, you never have to. <laughs> yeah. All right. So so There's, so, but I want to get back to Wordle for a second. Yeah. So, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, which I understand your anxiety, Anthony. I'm also very self conscious about my spelling. Um, but the. I mean, there's a few things about it that I think are nice. Like the word one of today the, was Shire. I saw that from my wife playing. Dude, Spoilers. What are you doing? <laughs> Why are you doing that? Oh, wait, it won't matter. It's not coming out today. No, it's fine for them. <laughs> yeah, I was worried about you guys. Have you already done it, Hunter? Yeah, I've already done it today. Well, so today, yeah. actually, today was a good one to just, since you're, I'll just share my embarrassment, which was it took me a long time before, and I, I got it in three, but it was really hard to actually hit submit for the word Shire because I was confident that was a made up word from Lord of yeah, the Rings. I did the not, same thing. But but the guy who made the game is British and it's a nor it just means county in the UK oh, so uh -huh. it's like normal uh, there so that's a it's the most British it's been but it's a really interesting phenomenon one of the big things about it is that there's literally one a day and everyone gets the same word and so if you could play this game the game mechanic if you could play it ten times in a row I think you'd just get bored and never go back but because right. there's mm -hmm. exactly one a day and everyone else is doing it Brilliant. it makes it like a continuing mm -hmm. thing that's really interesting. Well the best thing about it, the genius, is the the being able to just post a cryptic, weird image yes. to Twitter, and like that we, is how it spread. It's like it, out of this. out of emojis. The shareable emojis yeah. really of just squares is really super smart, and you get to find out what weirdos don't set their browsers on dark mode. All these people posting their white squares like weirdos. Come on, why are you? Oh, should I be in dark mode all the time? Dark mode dark forever. Mode. Dark mode Dark forever mode rules. Um, okay, but here's what I wanted. To, here's why I mentioned it. You guys as video game people. So I think it's a it's a fun game, uh, fun short little puzzle every morning. Um, and uh, my mom told me that uh, Will Shorts kind of talked shit on it over the weekend uh, on NPR, which is great. I just love knowing that it's like eating Will inside that someone came up with a puzzle that's cooler <laughs> than him. Um, but here's my question. So one of the things that happened, I don't know if you saw this controversy with the iOS versions. So. This game is just a browser-based game. It's written in JavaScript. It's like there. And it's right. just free on this guy's website. And it's like yep. his own home page. It's not like a it's not hosted by a game company. It's just his, he just wrote a game. Put it out for free. It's cool. Mm. And it went, it was he made it as a gift for his wife originally, but then it like went viral and everyone. Anyway. But he's not trying to make money off it. There's no ads on it anywhere. It's just a game you wrote and put on his website. So some people were like, this is a pretty simple mechanic. I'm just gonna put this yeah. game and sell it on iOS and just do the same including a guy who did it and called it 
Wordle, the same exact thing, just call it the same thing, put it on iOS. And um, people were mad at him. And he like, I think he was tweeting about it. And he was like, dude should have copyrighted the word. He never copyrighted it. Mm. And then everyone hated that even more. And eventually people were mad enough that they like complained enough to Apple that they took it down. So apparently iOS's game rules, one of them is like, don't be unpopular. But anyway, mm. the, but the, the reason I want to know about this is like, I, this is like not, I mean, it, it's definitely a unique mechanic in the way it works exactly. But it's like, there are similar things. It's Mastermind, but with letters. There was a game show in the 70s that's yeah. very similar. Right. How do you guys feel about like the three, what is it, threes versus threes, 2048? Yeah. I mean, it's going to reference. It's exactly like what happened with threes, right? Like they. So how do you feel about that when somebody those... makes a beautiful, perfect little game and then someone else is like, I would like to make money yeah. and mine is uglier? Uh, I mean, I would say, like, you know, there was once this company called Nintendo that made this game called Mario, right? Uh-huh. And then a lot of other people made games where people move from left to right and jump on platforms. Is that true? Was uh, that really the first side-scrolling game? Mar- uh, it wasn't necessarily the very first, but it was definitely the one that kind of, like, and pioneered a bunch of the genre Wait, tropes that right. we Is see. there anyone where someone moves from right from... from- the other way? Well, like, yeah, obviously. Oh, yeah, people have done that by now. Obviously, yeah. um, Arabic Mario yeah. runs right to left. That's well, not right. Uh, the, te- the text. Their yeah. text in Arabic. Uh, yeah, you could have gone with Japanese as well. Okay. Yeah, Pac-Land was, technically the, first, was yeah. technically the first platformer. But but it's not Super- like really a side yeah. scroller the same way. Yeah, no, Pac-Land was. Yeah, Pac-Land. Oh, Pac-Man. Pac-Man's oh, spinoff, yeah. But, yeah. I mean... These things happen all the time with mechanics. I think it's really dickish if you take like something like Wordle and just copy it just to profit from it. But yeah, like, I think the guy actually said he said he emailed the original creator and offered to split the revenue with him, which is like, hey man, I took your car, but we can go half seas on gas. Like, mm. what, do you, what do you mean you're just gonna split the revenue from stealing my game? You get zero percent. That's our split. Yeah. You monster? I don't know. It's like, you know, for years, all first-person shooters were called Doom clones. Right, until right, right. first-person shooters became a thing, right? Mechanics get copied all the time. I, I think there's actually, like, a dangerous line where there are actually certain companies, like uh, uh, Warner Brothers Games has this uh, company called Monolith that makes these, like, Lord of the Rings games with, like, this nemesis system which is like a pretty innovative cool system but they patented it so nobody right. else can ever use it and yeah, the thing sucks. is they haven't made a game with it in like seven years six years something like that so like this really cool idea like you just cannot use it there was like i think it was like namco had the patent for like mini games during loading screens which is such a great idea oh it's a, such a, a fun idea. cute idea but like no one else could do it for a really long for, until the patent lapsed because they were like dicks and they copyrighted an idea they had, right? Right. Yeah, that so sucks. it's like stuff like that. I think is like it's it's shitty in both ways. I mean, in one way, like, and they both are you know kind of the faults of capitalism <laughs> in a roundabout way. Weird how um, it got there. Yeah. But, <laughs> Do you yeah, think we should I, kill rich people? Is that what you think the answer is? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's the answer, but it certainly might you know help us feel a little bit better. <laughs> My okay, okay, socialist right. We're gonna move on Antopia. from Wordle. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, uh, I'm glad we I'm glad we were able to talk about Shire without hurting anybody's feelings because it's a few days from now. But anyway, all right, that's yeah. that. Let's get on. We got a real show to do. Let's get into the game. 
right, it's time for segment two, the game. As a reminder, for those of you who didn't uh, follow very closely last week, for season five, we're playing a year-long game uh, that we're calling Kevin Bacon's Exquisite Corpse. Each week, one of us picks the next film that we will be watching, and that has to have at least one actor in common with the current movie. And if we can guide the show to one of our previously determined movies, the person who picked that movie gets five big points, and the game resets to Kevin Bacon. Um, more rules to be determined as we figure out if this is actually playable. Because we weren't able to play test it because it takes a year. Um, okay, so this week, Ezra picked Edge of Tomorrow, which, as previously joked about, was orig- was it was called Edge of Tomorrow in theaters. It was marketed as Live, Die, Repeat, colon, Edge of Tomorrow on home video, or sometimes just Live, Die, Repeat. But it's based on, which is crazy. I don't know. Why would you do that? Why would you just change the name? They did bad well, in, the th- it did, in the theaters. Yeah. And the thing is, so, like, the it's based off a, a light novel called All You Need Is Kill, which was the original title. All of the You film. Need Is Kill is a pretty great. So, yeah. da, 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 it's it's a pretty so, great. such a great title. But I think I, Doug Lyman had a really great answer that, like, when he made this movie and got the final cut, he realized he did not make All You Need Is Kill. Right? right. That's not what this particular movie is. So Live, Die, Repeat was what he wanted to call it. Uh, him and the writers wanted to call it. Uh, one of uh, not one. Who, who? What studio released this? Whoever the exec, the studio, they didn't want that. And studios love to do blank of blank as a title. It's the most right. generic, shitty thing you can possibly do, right. along with adding like origins or begins to a prequel <laughs> or sequel, right? Uh, so originally, live, die, repeat was just the tagline. That was like I was going to say. It sounds more like a tagline than a title. Yeah. Um, but I think that it works better for this movie, Live, Die, Repeat, and it's more unique and it kind of stands out. Um, well, the other, my but, other problem with Live, Die, Repeat is it's a spoiler. You told me to go in, not, if I didn't know anything, not to learn anything, and I didn't. Yeah. And it was an incredible experience, and I would be a little bummed if I knew the title. I would have been like, well, I understand what's happening. Like mm. the title basically says Groundhog's Day, but war. And that would be a bummer. But yeah, if you call I, it Edge I, of Tomorrow, I'd be like, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, but Edge of Tomorrow is such a bland. It's a terrible title. I agree. Title that. that means anything. And it this movie did very poorly at the box office. So the studio didn't really care when they released it. Understandable. Um, so they so this, kind of yes, let this... them go back to the original title. This is the 2014 science fiction action flick starring the cruise missile Tom Cruise as well as Emily Blunt, and featuring, importantly, Bill Paxton. Yeah. So that was how we got from Apollo 13 last week, was via sure. Bill Paxton, who Majestic. appears in this movie as well, with a very different mustache and accent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the majestic a lot of Emily maybe. Blunt in this yes. movie. Yes. Emily Blunt is... Fin- Dude. The, the way they film Emily Blunt in this movie is so... In, she like is probably the best anyone has ever looked. She does like this push up lift thing multiple times in the movie. She's that doing is, like push up without her feet touching as like a form yeah. of meditation, which I just feel like it does make you kind of a weirdo. Like it's a bit, it she is, is a kind bit of a weirdo. Like alienating. Yeah. She's, a, she's like an anime badass, and yeah. it's yeah. the only time that I think in any movie I've seen someone that actually looks like they are an anime yeah. character as yeah, far she really as because like everyone else in this movie has guns and she was like i will take a like the blade of a propeller instead and use yeah. it as a yeah, sword but it looks like a, it it looks like a hockey ammo. goalie but yeah. like a stick, but it's a sword it's so cool she's so yeah. cool I mean, 
I, you know, somebody looks really hot in a movie when, like, I'm watching this with my wife, and my wife won't quit shut, like, shut up about how hot mm-hmm. she looks in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, like this whole movie, the whole time, and my wife, so your wife, like, man, your wife's type is swords, huh? My wife's type is Emily Blunt lifting herself up from that push-up. That's what I've discovered every time watching this movie. Um, Fascinating. Well, I mean, congratulations. Just, what a what a fun thing to learn. So before I jump into my uh, my summary, I wanted to clear your get your guys' clearance on this, which is there is some like delight in not knowing what the movie's about, but mm. it also came out in 2014. So how do you feel about how mm. deep should the summary go? I mean, I think what here's how here's what you should do. I think you should give us a one sentence summary five times slightly <laughs> changing the sentence yeah so the, if you time. look at if you look at uh it, um i mean you've if, already said groundhog's day in war right which yeah, is that's the, the one thing spring. right but if, yeah. if you look on letterbox the top review of this is one where each time it's like the same sentence but each time with a little more detail until it reviews yeah. the whole movie and it's a great get gag um Okay, so I've already yeah. I mean, it's Groundhog's Day in War. If you know that, the rest of this doesn't really matter. Okay, so let me let me unleash the Groundhogs of War with my patented nine su- nine point micro summary. So, Thomas Cruz is a PR guy for the American military, um, which everybody agrees is a great organization, and we really appreciate them lending uh, their helicopters to this movie. Um, but they're just one part of a bigger global effort to fight off these aliens who recently landed on Earth and started attacking stuff through some kind of bank shot maneuver the head of the global war decides to send the cruise missile into war himself even though he's like not good at war um to make the general look better in the long this, this is one of the weirdest parts but we can get through this you can get to the rest of it he's but, not a um, great general i think that's that's yeah. my like that's my takeaway from that you'd well, say and, you know in general you gotta, poor performance you guys shoot your shot right and he's <laughs> saying tom cruise he, he he's told to go and film some stuff he doesn't want to do it. He shoots his shot. And sometimes that backfires in the most horrific, horrible way ever. All the earthlings would be dead. So it did work out in yeah. the long run. Anyway, yeah. yeah. So he says no to this commander's dumb idea. And so um, as he tries to counter blackmail him. Yeah. He tries to blackmail him a little bit, which I understand generals don't like. And so his response is to um, conscript he gets, Tom Cruise. Uh, Shanghai. You get Shanghai. Conscript yeah. is what it is when it's war usually, but he gets forced into the war. But now instead of being like safe guy with camera reporter, now he's just in the leading tip of the spear gonna die group. So I think that's the goes, official title as well. Tip the, of the spear yeah, gonna, gonna, die. gonna die. Group. It's really not a good group. So okay, so boom, it's time to invade France to take it back from the aliens, and it's basically so he and Tom Cruise is part of it, and it's basically. Um, stupid private ryan is how i would describe this yeah yeah um where it's just a bunch of dumb unprepared people running up the shores of normandy shooting at aliens but then tom cruise as you'd expect gets killed by the aliens but right before he does he shoots the he shoots a special one and when you shoot that one and it bleeds on your face something crazy happens the moment you die you wake up at 8 a.m the day before in a classic groundhog day time loop situation so now we know Tom Cruise in a time loop and he does exactly what all of us would do. The minute you find yourself in a groundhogging is you take the people near you and you use your knowledge of the future to try to convince them that you're in a groundhog time loop. And when that doesn't work, you start learning skills. In his case, the skills of fighting this war against the aliens. So during one of his many, probably hundreds and hundreds of groundhogs into this, but during one of his groundhogs, he meets Emily Blunt, a famous soldier and um, 
to some people, a very attractive person who uh, does weird push-ups and is famous because she killed the most aliens of all time in the last battle, despite not being trained. And it turns out she only did that because she was groundhogging the whole time. But now she's <laughs> done groundhogging and he's doing it instead. Uh, because she got a blood transfusion, which is very important. That's a crucial thing. If you get a blood transfusion, you stop groundhogging. So now she works with Tom in his loop, and each time he has to explain who he is, but then he tries the loop again, and they work on doing a speed run of the war, um, and eventually to find the biggest alien so you can grenade him. But then it's a trick. Alien knew they were coming, so um, so Tom has to use um, a, leg, a needles-in-my-leg mounted antenna hmm. Which I just can't yeah. see why that yep. was the only way no, to do it. No, it's a Nielsen like Star 69 is what it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So to find out where was the right. alien yeah. call coming from. At um, this point it, in the movie, yeah, the sum of it, you should just say, and then things kind of fall apart and kind of butter <laughs> to a stop. I, don't, I was still uh, having fun because what he does is yeah. he kills off all, first he has to get all his friends back together from J-Squad yeah. and then he yeah, kills yeah. them all very quickly. Like it really yeah, didn't matter just, that they were there. Yeah. <laughs> and then they end up in the Louvre and, um, which is underwater and, uh, it's kind of a shame because like the, the Eiffel Tower has been knocked over, but the glass period in the Louvre, which we all agree is more fragile of the two monuments, yep. perfectly yeah. intact. Yeah, it doesn't um, make sense. He breaks it to go kill the alien, and then right before he dies, oh, Emily dies, and then right as he's about to die, they share Tom Cruise's contractual maximum single kiss, and then... Um, his, uh, my character is totally into chick's kiss that has to be in all of his movies. The we're not 40 yeah. years apart and yeah. she hates me. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. They have their kiss. And um, then... And actually, like that moment... like Even though that there's aliens, there's a time loop, there's Bill Paxton's accent, the sexual chemistry between the two of them, by far the least believable part of this movie. Yeah. Especially I mean, also, because... Just in- for that. Yeah, in her story, she literally met him eight hours ago, right? Like that's, that's, oh, that's the good, weirdest yeah, that's so true. thing about it. Uh, yeah. Um, so they all die. Everyone's about to. Die. Everyone dies, and then right before the the big alien kills Tom Cruise, he does the classic. Um, well, I dropped my grenades, but oops, I'm still holding all the pins. And then that gag works every time, blows up the alien. And now he goes back to a restart his day at a different point. He got some more blood on him. That, he that got point the, yeah. more blood. Oh, he got additional blood. Well, more so blood. he had, oh, right. He, I forgot to say, he had stopped groundhogging because he got a blood yeah. transfusion at one point. Yeah. The, the, the lesson of the movie don't give blood. You can yeah. ruin someone's don't time get, loop. That's, don't get blood. Yeah. Well, I guess both. Well, Either way, yeah. I, I mean, if you take anything away yourself. from live, die, repeat, it's do not donate blood. It's well, bad you have to See, you have to understand, because within the canon, the first blood he got was the alpha blood, and that allows right. him to time travel. And then at the end, he gets the omega blood, and what that does is it gives you a sappy Hollywood movie. Yeah, end, it, 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 right? yeah. So <laughs> that's, that's the difference really between the omega blood. It's a little bit more powerful. It kind of like... Yeah, you know, true. wraps everything up all at once and allows <laughs> everyone to come back and be happy and okay and Test then uh, everything's great I, yeah. I felt like the movie earned it I was like that's fine whatever yeah, yeah me too I mean the, the whole point of this was time loops like there's no way everyone stays dead in a time loop movie You've obviously got to, when you kill the aliens, time loop back. And also, if you're an alien species whose whole thing is we can use time loops to never lose wars, and then someone kills you, what are you going to do? You're going to time loop back and just not go to that planet. It makes perfect sense. Mm. Yeah, I guess. I mean, and I it's not like- a perfect Hollywood ending because he walks up to Emily Blunt and is like, hey, remember that extremely uncomfortable kiss we shared? And she said no. Yeah. 
with her yeah, eye. That was the cover. Actually, yeah, yeah. yeah it's fantastic because now you know they could just go on their separate ways and everything. Yeah, they have fine. no they have no past and There's no tension. No in reason. Their yeah. Yeah. Can I bring back the uh, detail you said about how the Louvre is still standing? I just imagine it like Not you know Louvre, that scene, the, the glass the pyramid glass, in yeah. the center of the world. Yeah, yeah. But you know that scene in Tim Burton's Batman when the Joker and his goons invade the museum and they're fucking up all the pieces and the guy's right about to take a hatchet to that one uh, ba- uh, bacon painting and the Joker picks up his staff and is like, no, leave that one. I like it. <laughs> that's what i imagine the omega was like like they're destroying the eiffel tower they're fucking up all this building yeah, yeah, and then yeah. someone is about to destroy the glass thing and the omega was like whoa whoa whoa! this one speaks to me keep it how it is <laughs> that's very funny <laughs> it, it is it is amazing because it's so fragile looking and also like the eiffel tower on its side is like it's the opposite of top heavy like it's a very sturdy structure. it'd be very hard to tip that over because the base yeah. is so much bigger and heavier so they Just- they had to specifically decide fuck this tower and turn it over on purpose. And then to get Mm. under the Louvre pyramid and not hurt it is really great. You want to destroy the world of man. First, you destroy its phallic symbols, right? (laughs) You destroy the world's metal dicks and then man falls quickly behind him. Uh, (laughs) At least early on, we all had a good amount of fun. This is a, Oh, this movie fucking rules. This is really incredible. Yeah, it's very fun. It's very fun, and I think that it's, you know, I gave you all those reveals, but the reveals are meted out, and the way that it goes through all these plot turns, yeah. I think is really well-timed, and it's, it's really, really well, enjoyable. Yeah, it's one of and, my favorite first two-thirds of the movie, really, and, like, the second act is just really, like, the pacing of it is really, really fun. Yeah, yeah. and I think that it's it's so much of what, uh, leaning into Tom Cruise's strengths as an actor. I mean, watching this, I think one of my favorite things about it is how how much both like his entire arc, the person he starts at and the person he ends at, both lean into what makes Tom Cruise such a great movie star, an actor, right? The fact that he is willing to be so unlikable in the first yeah, act of right, this movie. Right, yeah. Such a, a whiny, scared, cowardly uh, piece of crap who then transforms into this. But it's like, I, I was watching this last night thinking about, have any of you guys been watching, probably not, but watching Peacemaker on HBO, no, it's the John, James Gunn uh, Suicide Squad spinoff with John Cena. It's pretty good, but there's a scene in the second episode in which John Cena, as Peacemaker, is uh, jumping off this apartment building, like go- six floors, going from one balcony to another, and he horribly eats shit every single time he jumps. <laughs> and like that's the gag, is that he just keeps fucking up these jumps, and they look so incredibly painful, and they look so heinous. And, like, watching that and then immediately watching this, it just got me, like, missing, like, especially because, you know, we talk about, like, The Rock a lot in this, on this podcast. And The Rock is someone who's, like, famously has in his contracts, he has to deliver more punches than he takes. Yeah. Right? He has never allows himself to be injured in a movie. He's never, like, hurt or bleeding. And there's something about watching... Someone like Tom Cruise, I think, is so good at, like, he's obviously an incredibly hard worker, obviously has a very big ego, but he's willing to, like, yeah, I'll get run over by a truck for a gap. Yeah. You can yeah. CG my face melting with blood. Right? Yeah. He is willing to, like, do stuff that makes the movie better, not makes his image better, which is, like, something yeah, so what I think The Rock does, right? So one of the um, things is, like, when he first goes into war, into the battle, 
he's like dropping from this plane and he's incompetent. He's a pencil pusher, right? And so the first 30 times we see it, it's different versions of him falling when he lands. And eventually he gets better and better till he lands in a classic superhero pose, one knee Great down, fist landing. to the ground. Yeah. yeah. Which is, and it's, which I normally find a little cheesy. And it's so badass when he does it he, because he we saw a lot him of stuff, get, right? And all, yeah. With all of his failures, he really earns it. And I think that's, yeah, that's he very really sad. earns it. Yeah. And, I actually think he kind of earns the relationship with Emily Blunt, if not in chemistry, in like emotionally through the stuff they've gone through together. Right. And yeah. the the the, re- the reveal at first where he is like, he's delaying the inevitable because he knows he can't yeah. figure out keep her from dying is actually really touching. And it's the yeah. first time in that movie where I was like, oh yeah, he's watched her die a thousand times too. Right. That is right. also, that's very hard. Yeah. I mean, this movie, I was thinking this is kind of a random thing, but like last night, watching this and I, I just kept thinking about how like i have a pretty bad memory and sometimes uh-huh. i think that sucks but then a lot of times sometimes i would think about like how much that's a gift to have a bad memory <laughs> right like because people who have like really really good photographic memories talk a lot about how like it's horrible because like imagine the worst days of your life and imagine being able to recall them in perfect clarity all right. the time right the worst moments of your life the most embarrassing moments you know and having like that kind of vagueness sort of helps you get on. But and wouldn't this it be hard really... with the with the remembering the moves part? Yeah. So let me ask you guys this as a video game thing. So we're talking about speedrunning. So essentially, he has to go through an eight hour day yeah. to get to the battle, or like a day and a half, right? Because he's, he's yeah. it's the day before where he does all the training and stuff to get to this battle, and then he goes in the battle and has to like. You do this, you do this, you do this, you do this, you duck, you go left, you go right. That would be a really hard way to learn a game is if you had to do 18 hours of the same boring prep work each time you try to play the level. But think of it this way. I mean, even crazier, because I mean, this the movie kind of ignores this. But in real life, what helps you get better at something isn't just learning the moves. It's muscle memory. It's your body literally learning how to do the things. He doesn't have that. He is literally he only yeah. taken across the mental. His body restarts at the same exact point every single day. So oh, it that's an interesting question be... because we do see him on the training course, and that has to be muscle memory. His killing the training yeah. things. So he must be keeping, along with his mental memory, he must be keeping some physical memory. I mean, I guess. Well, so here's yeah. the thing. So right, it's like doesn't really make sense because like yeah, if you, a... right because like memories would have to be stored like you know somewhere like you know physically right, but like you know physically he's the same place. So like. I guess they're saying like, okay, it's a silly yeah, movie thing. Don't think about it too much. Yeah, it's just yeah, like yeah, a fun yeah. little yeah. thing. Well, to right. Think time travel is not possible. So we're already making some assumptions, yeah. but I, okay. So then the other question I have is, is about time travel. This is more for you as I don't know yeah. anyone who spent as much time thinking about time loops as you. Um, how does this, how do you, how does this feel as a time loop story? And what are the things that are either really good about the way they chose to groundhog in this movie or things that uh, miss opportunities for groundhogging? Um, I mean, it's, I find this just like pretty much a perfect movie on the whole for in terms of like, I mean, what, what you want is like you want to have people trying a lot of different things and have sort of like this uh, 
the time loop has kind of like a uh, um, both like freedom, but also like kind of like a cage that they kind of like you know push against in lots of different mm-hmm. ways. And like he goes through a lot of different emotions, right? Um, you know, he he tries to escape. He tries just lots of different things. It's this really like oh yeah, there's uh, that one scene of- where he tries to just drink and watch the world die. And then yeah, 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 that's really yeah. good. You get this like these low points. Uh, you know, right when he hits the you know the end where like he can't. He tries tries to like uh you know forget about uh you know uh, Emily Blunt basically and just say let's not bring her into this. What does it happen there? Right. Um, there, there's just, like a lot of different. Um, it reminds me of um another sort of like. Groundhog Day, but like a uh, like type one that I loved with uh, Tay Diggs uh, called Daybreak, uh, which was a uh, like a like a one season TV show, um, mm. and it's a lot of things where it's just every uh, title of that uh, every episode title was like what if he like and it's just like oh, it's okay. him trying different like ways basically oh, out right, of the right. time loop. Um, but yeah, oh, yeah I, I just, I mean, actually, so Anthony, this goes back to our video game conversation too, not just from the speed running, but also. Are these all ripoffs of Groundhog Day, or are these like Groundhog Day clones, or is this just just like first person shooter? A groundhog yeah. is a normal method now well, that you could tell well, a million different stories. I like that this movie. I think like it, Groundhog Day is such a great premise with time loop, and there's like you know a great X File episode called Monday that's a time loop episode. There's a handful of things, but I think a lot of people have been scared to do this because. Exactly, we're going to be called a Groundhog's Day. But I think since this movie, uh, people have kind of started to lean into it as just a genre trope. Like, one of my favorite kind of fun horror franchises from the past few years is a Happy Death Day, which right. is what right. if Groundhog's Day was a slasher movie? Yeah. Um, really, really smart, really, really funny. Uh, but, like, that uses the premise in a really great way as well. So, like... What was the one that was at, at a wedding... That, oh, that was, uh, uh, Palm Springs. Yeah, Palm yeah. Springs. Yeah, I thought Palm Springs yeah. was pretty good too. So, like, I like that people are leaning into it. There's like a Hulu show uh, now, kind of based around this as well. I think, but like, was it, uh, uh, Russian Doll is, is a Groundhog Russian Day Doll. Too? Yeah, another yeah. time loop show. But yeah, I love that we've kind of. I think this is the thing that kind of like opened up the floodgates and allowed people to be like, oh, we can do this and not just be called Groundhog's Day Clothes. Because I it mean, is... I'm still doing it, but I like it. Yeah. I, I guess I like the the way, like you were saying, Ezra, the way it handles him learning and the, trying the different options. Yeah. I think that's very fun. I love the scene where somebody has to explain, he has to tell you things about your future and about yourself in order to get yeah, you to believe he's in a time. Yeah, it's always satisfying. One of the things I, I love about this movie is how much it leans into uh, how how um, exposed disposable life becomes in a time loop. Like how right. quickly, this is a montage of Emily Blunt shooting him in the head, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's just like the During way she training. doesn't even, yeah, doesn't even hesitate. Doesn't think about it. It's just well, like, but, oh, okay, it's not so over, you know? That leads to my favorite thought experiment about this, which is if this isn't, if this is a thing where you're actually creating new universes each time, yeah. there's 10,000 yeah. alternate universes where Emily Blunt just shot a guy during training and cannot right. explain it. Right, well, yeah. I, but and no one cares about him, so no, I think it's fine. But humanity dies the next day. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. This is one of the fun well, things, I mean, though, because like he, we get a, a hard cut, for, you know, for with good laughs usually on most of his deaths. But occasionally we do extend a little bit past his death. Um, like uh, when he just like rolls under the um, like under the truck. I want him oh, and like Bill yeah, Paxton's yeah, like, yeah. what the hell were you thinking, boy? Yeah, and, like <laughs> that universe maybe persists, right? Yeah, like, so we so, don't know. Yeah. That's so true because we go past the cut. We are. It is. It is suggesting the universe persists. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's great. That's a great. That's way such to a good point. It. Oh, I love that. Um, one other thing I like uh, about about this in particular, I like anytime a movie 
does something that I've never seen before in an incredible, like, I feel like it deserves an award for coming up with a new thing. And I will say I have, I would give this, if there was possible, an Oscar for most menacing eating of a playing card. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like where the hell did that come from? And everyone there yeah. in the army is just like, Oh, if you get caught playing poker, he makes you eat one of the cards. They just like up oh, time to eat the cards again. <laughs> what well, what's so great. So great about that scene is it's, it's like played for laughs, but it is literally the thesis of this movie, right? The idea that like fate and chance are outside of your own hands. And that if you, if you put in the dedication and work and practice, you can con- you can control your own destiny, right? That is like Anthony. literally what Tom Cruise is That's doing such a in this good movie. Point. That was the like, thesis statement. That, I didn't even that, realize that. That that monologue, and that's why he you know he repeats it over and over again. It is yeah. it is what this movie is trying to say. Like oh, Bill Paxton is right in that scene, right? That is yeah. the lesson Tom Cruise has to learn and apply in order to succeed here, you know? Well, so this um, is the other thing. Um, so one of the things that happens in a lot of the Groundhog movies is that the magic is never explained. So Groundhog's Day famously is like, I don't know why. Um, yeah, yeah, the, in, there in was the version a, that came out, there was actual... Right, like, there had been a scene yeah. where he, like, cursed a, a witch woman yeah, yeah. or something, or he, like, tripped over her and she cursed him or whatever. Um, but, like, they don't want to talk about it. And in, in, uh, they, they tr- in, in Palm Springs, it's like, well, that's a cave. You know, Um, (laughs) what's interesting about this is the reason the time loop is because there's an alien species that has evolved Groundhog's Daying as a weapon, which is a very interesting take on this. Yeah, Yeah, it's not just using time loops as like what could be fun than happening. It's like who could if you had control over starting and stopping this, what could you do? Yeah. And you, you can't lose if you know what your enemy is going to do. Right. It's yeah. It makes a lot of sense uh, for like a sci-fi monster villain. I mean, I think the way the mimics, I'm not a huge fan of the Omega, but I think the way the mimics and the Alpha, the way they're visualized, the way the frame kind of shakes when they move, like they're sort of moving reality around them rather than them just sort of moving through it. I think the way they're visualized is really, really cool. It kind of sucks now because I think like, we're very, very used to big tentacle dog monsters. But in 2014... <laughs> tentacle dog monsters. Tentacle yeah. dog monsters, you know. They're fun, and they also can burrow through the sand. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, in 2014, we hadn't really seen that in movies. And now, <laughs> it, it, like, most big science fiction... I mean, like, Eternals has big tentacle dog monsters. Uh, oh, a spoilers. bunch of other movies do. Um, but, but yeah, but, I, I think the but, design but, at the but, time but was really why? unique. Why are they called mimics? They do nothing. Like, there's nothing that's less good at mimicking mm. humans than those spinning tentacles. Yeah. Well, it's because in the in the book they they look more human like, mm. and that they're called mimics in the book, right? So Maybe. like it is, it is pretty. It's one of those things that just came from the adaptation. Like, yeah. The ad- the the book I've I've read I've read that when this like came out. Um, and it, it's pretty good. It's very very different than this the movie is like same premise same idea uh the main character is like 20 instead of however the fuck old tom cruise is oh yeah 65 um, 70 and then, <laughs> he's old, yeah. 95 i think yeah he's, he, i think he's I mean, 95 and emily blunt is 25 it's really yeah, not something great. like that something like but that. he um 
You know, and the the book is all about just trying to get off the beach and win this battle. There is no Omega. There is no, like, ending the war. It's about this one battle that he gets stuck in over and over again, right? And having to defeat them. Um, So, like, there are a lot of little things that I think, like, when I say they sort of Hollywood-fied the ending of this movie, kind of where I'm coming from with that, with the whole, like, Oh, everything! The war is just over now. Everyone's happy! Yay! Yeah, right. Um, I that kind well, of. I'm. I'm. I. That's good to know about them. Why they're called mimics? I guess because it's the book. But I. It does. Um. It reminds. I was telling you guys about this a couple weeks ago. But my new idea for a, a short story about an alien race attacking Earth is that they do mimic, and they can mimic anything they want. And so when they're attacking you, when you're in a battle in combat with them it looks like it's your mom or it looks like it's your childhood dog or whatever. They mimic mm. whatever you would have the hardest time shooting, but then it kills you. So mm. you'd have a, if you were making it as a movie, it'd be this cool scene where the guy's in battle and mm. then his mom walks up holding a plate of cookies and he's like, wow, mom, what are you doing here? And then she mm. cuts his head off with the plate. Why that's not just awesome. make yourself invisible? Cause that's like real easy to be hard to kill. Also, do you know how to become yeah. invisible? I mean, if I'm a mimic, you can uh, mimic a person who's not there. I don't think that would work. Yeah. No, you have to look like something <laughs> that's mimic that not air. here. Mimic air. There was a sort of like I'm mimicking an invisible man. That's what you're most afraid mimic, of. Mimic carbon monoxide. You know, yeah. they're all just oh, carbon monoxide. There's a uh, really great colorless. There's a really great video game from a few years ago called Prey that has a character stuck in a loop like this, and that has enemies called mimics. That mm. can transform into like cups or chairs or any oh, kind shit. of item no, that's around. Like more menacing in it, war yeah. when you pull up your gun and then there's just a cup there. You're like, well, oh, no, anything you can put a beverage in, they can turn into it. That's, you know, sometimes oh, they do those that's German great. boots. Jugs. Sometimes that's they fight a Stein. It's terrifying. No, that, that's what's so great about the game, though, is like you walk into an office. And is like there's two cups on the table, and you're like, is one of those going to turn into a monster? Wait, okay, and wait. I was thinking, but I've definitely seen a video of this where somebody is hiding as a chair, and then people come in and they're like, wait, you're not yeah. a real chair, and then they shoot him. Yeah, I mean, it is. That, that is what like the enemies do in that game. It's pretty. Yeah. It's pretty scary. Um, okay. But yeah, those are also called mimics. Um, okay, all right. Well, this has been a fun time, Ezra. This is a great pick. I really enjoyed this movie, and I'd never heard of it. Yeah. So, and yeah, I know I'm especially I'm glad I'm blind. I, I think on the gameplay side of like this, I think I actually really did a bad because I was like, I was trying to get us like pretty far. Um, I was trying to get us like more recent than 2004, but yeah. then I realized I, I did a movie with Tom Cruise who's been like acting for like 60 years. And so I, there's yeah. really a whole range of time. I'm so up glad to. you brought up strategy because it's, we're going to move on now to segment three, the master list. Yeah. All right, so segment three, master list. First, before we talk about what our next move is, we have to place this. We have to rank this movie along with oh, all uh-oh. movies from season five. Now, it's going to be tricky because there's only one other movie, and it's Apollo 13. Yeah. So I don't know where you're going to put Edge of Tomorrow. Both of them have to do with space. Both of them have big tentpole actors. Um, uh-huh. Bill Paxton. Both of them have Bill Paxton. How could you ever compare the two? So where do you think this falls? Do you think this is better or worse than Apollo 13? Um... I don't think it is actually better, but I do think it's better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's not It's not actually better, but I did have more fun, and I like it when yeah. you have these big uh, blockbuster movies that are, like, kind of bogus, and I think we need to yeah. bring bogus back in a big way. Well, I also, I think... <laughs> I, I think Apollo 13 is, like, 
just from a filmmaking standpoint, Apollo 13 is like a cleaner, more controlled film. But it's all like Ron Howard. I would take Doug Ryman's kind of chaos and frenetic directing over Ron Howard's like assembly line, um, very clean and, you know, incredibly planned out filmmaking. Uh, so just from, like, a film standpoint, I, I'm going to have to go with Edge of Tomorrow ranks above um, Apollo 13. Okay, no, so people are uh, I, screaming at home. We're not yeah, 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 seriously yeah. considering Let's putting this above Apollo 13, are so, we? I am also going to say it should be above Apollo 13 no! for yeah. a different criteria. What is happening? We've lost, the thing. Two episodes one, into this season, we've lost all credibility with our listeners. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we had that before. No, so one, I, I mean... I. Even if I didn't believe this, I would have to do this just for Alex's reaction because I could. <laughs> yeah. But I do because I think in terms of what am I more excited to like watch again and what what am I like actively like recommending people to see? It's this. And so like I like I feel like at this point in time, I don't need to say like, oh, hey, you have to see Apollo 13 right now. But yeah. like I am legitimately excited anytime someone hasn't seen like uh you know uh this, I want to say, like, check this yeah. out. This is this is wild. Yeah, okay, think, okay, okay, uh, okay. Because that's only because we live in a post-Apollo 13 world. If That's if fine. this came out in 95 and Apollo 13 just came out and no one had seen it, you'd be like, well, you have to see Apollo 13. Holy shit. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, also, though, if you'd seen, like, I think if you'd seen a 2014 movie in, in 1995, that also would be really wild and, like, yeah. like blow your blow your mind. Very different um, time loop. I want, yes. Okay, uh, I'm going to give a few more arguments for Edge of 13. One, no, 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 a better... No, wait, wait. <laughs> let, let Alex make it, because it feels like, Alex, you're on the other side of this, right? You think it should yeah. be Apollo 13? I think well. What Ezra? First of all, Anthony just called it Edge of Thirteen, which is great. That's second really of all, cool. um, Ezra. Well, what, that's twelve. What Ezra record. said is, I thought it was important, <laughs> which is we did have to have this discussion, or the segment's boring. But what I'm surprised by is the that you guys are going harder on the fake argument than I was expecting. Hmm. Obviously, Apollo Thirteen yeah. is a better movie. I I would honestly disagree with that. I you, you I think, said you said last week we're gonna ha- it's like we're gonna rank everything above it because Apollo thirteen is one of the best movies ever made. So you're saying that, now you believe no. Edge of Tomorrow is in like <laughs> the top fifteen best movies of all time. I never said Apollo thirteen was one of the best movies ever made. I you said definitely it's, did. It's a, you said I'm not it. hearing any arguments. No. I'm just hearing someone be play the tape. But no, <laughs> I I think one better Bill Paxton performance, better yes. Bill Paxton character. Yeah. Uh, okay. of tomorrow? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You, I mean, now you're just now you're just yeah. trolling. But no, no, no on, that's actually true. That I, is actually kind of no, I think a good point. Better, I would his say. character is insane. He's got the worst, most ridiculous <laughs> accent. I know his character great. is just a goof. He's a cartoon. Yeah. Yeah, in Edge well, in a movie's a cartoon. It's a freaking yeah. anime, bro. I mean, it's not but an anime, I, but it's basically an anime. But I know. I honestly think that um, Apollo thirteen. It's you know, it's a great movie. But I think the schmaltzy Hollywood. Uh, all the stuff we complained about last week, the stuff with the wife, the only stuff that, you like, complained really about it. Tells you where the emotional, emotional. Everyone else was having fun. You were the only one complaining about those things, so mm. you're you can't cite yourself as evidence. Mm. But f- that's what for me. I think that that is what weighs Apollo thirteen down. Is the trying but to you be also say earlier today that the that the ending of this movie was schmaltzy and Hollywoody. Not necessarily schmaltzy. I'd say it kind of wraps it up in like a happy ending. But I think the it's, first two I acts mean, of this movie are more exciting and have genuinely better filmmaking than Apollo 13 has. Um, I mean, the ending was pretty... I mean, I cackled. But I don't yeah. know if I thought it was bad. I just It made me laugh like because it was so... 
ridiculous. I, I don't know. I like, enjoyed I, this movie a lot, and I laughed, but I never cried, which I did in Apollo 13 on several occasions. Oh, uh, well, I didn't cry in Apollo Yeah, 13, I didn't cry no. in Apollo 13. No. Yeah. I mean, look, so Alex, look, Apollo 13 is clearly like in one of your movies, and that's like, we're not going to convince you on it. That's totally fine. I think that if you don't have that level of background, and if you're already in a post-Apollo 13 movie, like, this is well, a no, reasonable... You, I mean, it's like, if you're saying, like, look, well, obviously, you know, this was so, this is a, a a milestone. This is a thing that everybody considers, but we saw it so, we, you know, it happened a while ago, so we're going to discount it because of creative inflation. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. you guys know enough to know we can counteract that now with mm-hmm. logic and realize that it's happening and keep getting carried away and making a decision that's going to embarrass us forever. <laughs> no, we it's not going to embarrass us. It's going to let people know who we are, baby. <laughs> and, like, with when things get added, I don't know, like if we were doing Citizen Kane, I'd also put that above Apollo 13, right? There's a lot of movies. Right, but, would you, would but then you'd be like, pit. but Edge of Tomorrow, man, yes. I don't know. Well, I, we're, I, not, we're not doing no, I would pit Edge of Tomorrow. I'm more excited to tell here's, people about Edge of Tomorrow than I am about I would pit Edge of Citizen Kane. Everyone's heard problem. of Citizen Kane. I have a problem. There's a problem happening right now mm. because I opened this up and said Edge of Tomorrow, but it's probably not actually better right. it's just That's that I, I liked it better and i am a child okay that is <laughs> yeah. the truth i am yes. a child and it activated my child brain and i had a good effing time okay yes. <laughs> I have not heard. So that's a pretty that's a pretty milk toast like ah, I don't know, maybe it's probably edge of tomorrow but it doesn't really make sense. But I did not I have not heard any arguments for Apollo 13. I've just heard more arguments for Edge of Tomorrow. Which doesn't really well it's, well. it's because the two of them are all three of you are against me. I'm on my own, and as you know from what, listening to the show, not good at making arguments. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the problem. Is like I want to yeah. come over to your side, Alex, but I think I'm just gonna have to stay here. Yeah. I think Edge of Thirteen is a uh, Edge of Thirteen. Keep doing that. <laughs> Twelve. Edge of Tomorrow. Live, I think live, die, repeat. How about this? Edge of Tomorrow yeah. is not as good as Apollo Thirteen. Live, die, yeah, repeat live, live, are die. better than Apollo Thirteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Live Diary Pete is is a smarter movie. It's a more inventive movie. It is more in my wheelhouse of like having actually like something that's interesting to say. It's it deals with fun science fiction concepts. It's got great performances. Apollo thirteen is a I mean, like, I will make making fun of the schmaltzy ending, Hollywood ending of this movie. Apollo 13 is schmaltzy Hollywood everything from beginning to end. That just by the fact that it is, like, such a sort of generic fanfare retelling of a story that, you know, is, like, it's a cool, interesting story. I just don't think, like, I don't know, this movie is closer to, like, a Paul Verhoeven sort of satire film, which That's I think true. is yeah, yeah. the highest form of art anyone could possibly make. <laughs> uh, no, I don't agree anymore. The only thing I'm going to say, and I understand that this is, I just, I see the writing on the wall. I see how this is shaking out. I will just uh, point out that uh, I, I will just point out that this, that edge of tomorrow is propaganda for the military and Apollo 13 is propaganda for science. And it's hard for me to ever vote more in terms of what the American military wants me to like than what I mean, NASA wants me to like. I wouldn't I say one. The American threat. one. The American military is literally not in this movie. It's an international. Uh, you landed on an American force. helicopter. You don't do that unless the yeah. American military agrees that this is a good commercial for them. He, he but was on this loan. movie was shows the military as a cold, 
cynical, stubborn machine yeah. that is willing Hard to eating. throw human beings into a meat grinder for a cause they know they can't win. If anything, they had no no. If they, they knew the aliens movie, were waiting, they wouldn't have sent them into Normandy. They did know because the guy had been telling them for years, but they didn't listen. Like the fact well, okay, that they had one the guy, guy who said there was a time loop, and I would prefer the American military not believe anyone who says he's in a time loop. That was the science dude. Yeah, in a time loop, saying someone else is in a time loop. It's crazy. No. I, I, I think, if anything, this movie is a harsh critique of the military-industrial complex. I give up. Uh, I give up. I think it's we, that. But for, yeah, for, I, uh, I, yeah, yeah, you're 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 making you're making silly, but you're making you're, you've made our show a laughing stock. But this is what's happening. Edge of where we are ranking Edge of Tomorrow <laughs> as the number one best movie of season five, and Apollo thirteen, one of the greatest movies of all time. As number two. All right. And then two. To make hey, number two's list. not bad, Alex. Number That's not bad. bad. The second greatest movie of all time? <laughs> That's what you're upset about? All right. All right. So let's move on to segment 3.5 now, because now it's time to figure out what is happening next week. So it is my <laughs> pick. You, right? According, yes, according to the, mm. uh, the random number generator last week. It's my pick to move on to episode three. Oh, yeah, and Alex, before you say anything, I just want to let you know that it will be my singular goal to make sure this is the top-ranking thing, no matter what you <laughs> picked. Bro. Just to hurt my feelings, you're going to make sure we never watch anything better than Apollo <laughs> well, 13, because then it can't be better uh, than Edge of Tomorrow. What, one more time, before you say you have picked, can I get, can you tell me the running order of, like, what we're doing, and then do we want to remind everyone the yeah, what four we're trying films to get to. we picked? Yes, great idea. To get so, as okay. picked last week, I'm, I'm second. Uh, Anthony, you are picking next week, and then Hunter is rounding out the month. That is our January run order, and we have not discussed whether that's going to be the permanent run order or if we're going to reshuffle at the end, at the beginning of every month. Oh, but I'm I trying to make of, deals based on that. You you better <laughs> let me know what the order is going to be because I'm trying I to work like with the Ezra shuffling, to and then you have this. to make each deal on the on the fly. But right. um, we, we'll decide maker, that so. soon. You can write in and tell us if you think we should pick the new order every month or keep it the same. But knowing that Anthony's coming next, let me remind you where we're going. So my pick is the 1996 film Cable Guy. Ezra picked Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind from 2004. Anthony picked The Taking of Pelham 123 from 74. And Hunter picked Battleship Potemkin <laughs> from 1925. I've got ideas. I've got so some I ideas. I don't know what my strategy is here. Ezra, you wanted to get away from my year. Yeah, that was I guess the best I just idea. Wanted to watch, I wanted to watch a movie that would be interesting and good. That's one move away from Cable Guy, okay. which gave me about eight to ten choices. Where I, so I could oh, get wow. to Cable Guy in two picks a bunch of different ways. So I found like eight or nine movies I think that could be one move away from Cable Guy, which would allow Anthony a very interesting situation. It would give you the ability to give me five points, and then I could in potential I would then owe you a favor and could either set you up in the future as the person perhaps before you every time, which would be very useful to you, or I could make a direct pick, or I could help you if we're shuffling. Don't I listen. might be a very powerful ally. Don't listen to him. I he's love gonna, that he's everyone... He's going to yeah. betray you. He's going to betray you. I was just going to say, I love, Alex, that you were like, you're trying to make this like a theoretical while just straight up trying to game me with I like me this a lot. I'll tell you this. I've been, the, after last week, I've been thinking that probably no one is ever going to score without it without an alliance. I think it's too mm. difficult to get to anywhere in one move because the person who's picking the movie before you would always have the ability to make sure it's not a thing that would win for you. Uh, but you shouldn't do that. That's That should be against the rules. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't looking at the other person's cast? I mean, obviously you're not going to accidentally pick a Jim Carrey movie for me. So I guess I'd have to hope for a minor cast pick that you didn't notice was in the movie. Mm. But mm. the 
I think it's the most likely scenario is you only ever score points if you have a, have a, a an assistant have, have an assist if you have a deal. And I'm just saying, Anthony, I would be very I could be very useful to you in the future, and you have the opportunity to do the right thing. So, okay. a couple of the movies that I could have chosen here, I could have chosen the 2011 Muppets movie going Emily Blunt, Jack Black. I could also, oh, yeah, she was Jack mm. Black's in, in uh, um, is is in Cable Guy. You could also. Same same move with Jack Black. You could go Gulliver's Travels 2010, which has Emily mm. Blunt in it. You could watch the Jack Black version of Gulliver's and Travels. And you're also which... finding movies that will certainly rank below Apollo 13. Absolutely. If we Gulliver's sure. Travels. But here's my big question. Here's where I came. I came down to two movies I wanted to choose between. And we have to make a ruling. We need an official ruling on this, which is that IMDb credits Jeremy Piven as being in this movie we just watched. But... So- the internet research has shown his scene was deleted. Yeah. So he, he does not appear in this movie, but he is in the movie, according to IMDb. So where do you guys weigh in on whether or not I can use Jeremy Piven? You, I say no. I mean, I say, well, I think we got to have, okay, so I think in this particular case, we have to rank no. But I do think if there was like an extended edition of Live, Die, Repeat that re-added his scenes... <laughs> Right, I think you could make the argument yes. for it. Then I think but that's a, I think I think it that's a fair be, point. Uh, because you, apparently, you can't even find. He, there's not even a deleted scene on the Blu-ray that includes him. They like wiped yeah. him from the memory hole. Yeah, which is always really weird when you think you see that, and it's like I wonder where he would have fit in. Yeah, there's in no information. Movie. They have this his is... character name, but nothing else about he. He yeah. was called uh, um, Colonel Walter Max. Or Marks, and um, apparently he was in. They did a bunch of reshoots. So after they shot yeah. the movie, Doug Lyman shot a whole story with Jeremy Piven, who happened to be in Europe at the time, and then threw it all away. Yeah, which Doug is Lyman, a fascinating way to. Who I mean, it's really funny that Doug Lyman is one as a side tangent famous for this type of stuff with his movies, yeah. making kind of really wild, over over budget movies that have very, very slapdash thrown together. Um, really figuring stuff out on the fly, which is why he is so perfect for the guy Tom Cruise chose to <laughs> film the movie that they're going to film in outer space. Because when you're shooting a film in outer space, you definitely want a director who's mostly just winging it. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a great idea when you're up there wait. in space. Just, you know, just okay. throwing everything out, starting over from scratch. Well, so my pick was going to be uh, The Grifters. The 1990 neo noir starring John Cusack, uh, which got four Oscar nominations despite not yeah. having a very large release, and it looks totally good. And that would have been by way of Jeremy Piven. However, mm. if I cannot, uh, oh, I didn't get to weigh in on this ruling real oh, okay. quick. I just want to say, even though it sounds like we're we've it's sort of been decided, my no. opinion is that uh, I think you should be able to do stuff like that because I think that's exactly the types of of subterfuge that we need to keep the game alive and fresh. Um, I think that you should be able to say like, well, he was sort of in it and that it sort of like you've activated a trap card and you've tricked us now, but you have to do it with that kind of attitude. Right. I would be fine with that personally. You know, like he got invited to it. the premiere, didn't he? Uh, like that kind of, yeah, if you can make paid, an argument, I think I you be allowed. Him. I mean, I, we do need to have some sort of a ruling, but I totally agree that we, that having some shenanigans is the only way this game is ever going to work. Exactly. Okay, I'm going to modify it. I will allow it, but I'm going to give you, I'd give you a, a negative one shenanigan deduction. 
Um, Negative so one to shenanigan. Like a total of four points for for oh, if you interesting. Okay, so Anthony, you say no. Hunter says yes. Ezra says yes, but it costs me a point. How do I decide? <laughs> how do we decide what the <laughs> ruling is as a group? How do we figure out Th- that cost? That 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 point. I think that's too much. That costs too much. Mm. That's oh, that's a whole point. That's too much. That's too much, Ezra. <laughs> I was really I, hoping... The point thing makes a ton of sense to me, but okay. Um, I, I do really agree that the point should be gonna, slippier, but go yeah, ahead, Anthony. Just pick uh, Brendan Gleeson and let us do Imbruge next. Well, so I, I, I was only doing one move away from my pick, so mm-hmm. that didn't it didn't give me everything. Um, so if now I need a ruling. Are we going to do this? So, okay, I'll, maybe this will help you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you the other option. So if we can't do yeah. the Grifters, my second choice was going to be going... Noah Taylor to this movie um, to the life aquatic with Steve Zizou because mm, I have been having a Wes Anderson re- reevaluation yeah. myself recently. I never, I didn't think I liked him. And then I found out I really do like him. And this movie unpopular at the time has had a lot of reinterest recently has been reevaluated a lot mm. of times and people kind of like it mm. now. And so it'd be kind of an interesting watch and it would mm. allow you to go Owen Wilson directly through to the cable guy. So, mm. Th- those are the two options. So if I can yeah. do deleted scenes, I'm going to do the grifters. And if I can't do deleted scenes, I'm going to do the life quad. I don't think we should be able to do deleted scenes. That's how I just, I feel. I, I, yeah. I, well, now I just want to watch the life aquatic. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm going to have to recuse think, myself yeah, from judgment, scenes, to be honest. Scenes. Yes. Yeah. Life aquatic. That's a great cast also. So yeah. Okay. No deleted scenes. Let's watch the life aquatic. That actually works for both the rulings. We're going to say cool. no, no permanently deleted scenes. Perhaps you can argue if it's available on the Blu-ray or it's in an extended cut somewhere that could work, but a person Dude. is completely removed. Yeah, not gonna be not gonna. Is Life Aquatic locked Drifters. in? Yeah, we're gonna watch. There was Life so Aquatic. many actors in that movie who were acting in the seventies. Holy shit! I'm back in play, baby. <laughs> uh, you you might be in play. However, you yeah, could also do the right thing and go Owen Wilson to the cable guy. Give me five points, <laughs> and then we can we can continue there as a team working towards him. the seventies. Don't trust him. Uh, Look, there's a lot of things that I am, but like, I'm not a, I'm not like, uh, I'm not a deceiver. I'm not a person who's going to lie to you to set things up. All right. Anyway, next week we're watching The Life Aquatic. That's what we're going to do. Um, and I am, I'm very excited about that. That should be fun. Um, and I do kind of want to watch The Grifters with John Cusick and and Angelica Houston. That seems really good. Houston, Houston. Okay. Lastly, one more quick segment, and then we'll be out. Let's talk about the business. Okay, we got a couple of good emails this week that I want to read. First up, this is actually a tweet. This is a tweet directed at you, Hunter. This is from Patrick, who sent us your path to victory, and the answer is Maximilian Shell. I yeah, I've already been doing some research. So Kevin Bacon is, was who, in who, Telling who Lies in America Shell? with Maximilian Shell. Um, or wait, with sorry, Kevin Bacon. Oh, this is confusing. I gotta read it the other way. Anyway, so you're at, so in your in your movie, you have Alexander Antonov, who was in Battle of Stalingrad with Nikolay Cherstikov, who was in Knights of Farewell with Gillis Segal, who was in Topkaki with Maximilian Schell, who was in Telling Lies in America with Kevin Bacon. So it is possible to get from your movie to mainstream American movies in the nineties and beyond, which is oh, where we're very acting. possible. Yeah. So also, I would say I appreciate this because um, I hadn't even thought to do this until Patrick sent this in. But of course, oracleofbacon.org, you can plug in any two actors and it'll tell you the connections. 
which was oh. very helpful in me determining my two degrees that I wanted for my movie. Oh, because so I want everyone to have the, the same playing field. You. There's also an IMDb thing. So if you go to imdb.com slash search slash common, you can type in two titles. Yes, uh, I made use of that extensively as well. So you can go, yeah, IMDb will let you search. If you have two movies, it'll tell you who they have in common. And that's really helpful. So that's how I got to Jeremy Piven. Um, but yeah, we're going to, uh, okay. So that was number one. And then the other thing I wanted to read to you from the mailbag this is a long email, longer email from Hannah unrelated to the game um except i just listened to the new episode and i love the new format uh and then specifically to me because of your love of space alex and specifically engineering really difficult solutions in space i wondered if you'd ever heard about alexi lonov do you guys know alexi lonov no alexi lonov was the russian cosmonaut who did the first ever spacewalk which is rad but then literally everything went wrong while he was on the spacewalk his suit inflated too much so he couldn't fit back in the airlock He had let, had to let oh, out some of the oxygen to deflate the suit, which almost caused him to die. Then, when he and his partner went to make reentry to the Earth, the escape escape hatch spun out of control, and the guided navigation failed. So they were unable to land anywhere they were supposed to. And they did some really quick math and decided to crash land on Siberia so they wouldn't hit anybody. But then they both wow. assumed they would die. But then they both survived. But then the door to the ship got jammed in a snowdrift, so they were stranded in frozen Siberia, stuck inside their capsule. Um, all of this That's... was being broadcast live in the USSR, but when the problems began, they suspended the broadcast and just played Mozart's Requiem, which in the USSR was played before the announcement of a senior government official's death. So you have to imagine the Everything Cosmonauts families were freaking out. Everything about that story is so goddamn Russian. It's not even funny. <laughs> just every, just the fact, like everything going wrong, and the two people walk away, yeah. just with. Completely emotionless faces, I imagine. It's just yeah, everything that, that about it so. is so Soviet bloc Russia in my mind. I it's love it. It's an awesome That's story. And, it, and Hannah included a link to a podcast where she learned about this, which was an episode of the Anthropocene Reviewed. I don't know if you guys have ever listened to this. Um, it's a podcast um, hosted by one of my top two green brothers. Um, my second favorite green brother, John, we'll be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm more of a <laughs> Hank guy myself. But um, I'll, I'll post the link in the show notes. But John Green does this podcast where he reviews on a one to five scale, anything from the Anthropocene, which is the time on earth that humans have been alive. And it's a lot of fun combos. So he'll have a review that'll be like, um, it'll be like uh, uh, vaccines and the McDonald's breakfast menu or something like that. Or, or, yeah, or yeah. geese and art or something. Anyway, um, so he did want to, he, but he's basically just telling really good, interesting stories like the Green Brothers like to do. So I will put an episode link to that. And I really appreciate that. And then Hannah had Ooh. one more thing that is, Wait, wait, before um, you go on, Alexei Leonov has been in some uh, Russian movies also. So, uh, ooh, Hunter, so maybe, he, his Kevin we'll Bacon number is probably way. like 30 or something, but we could get you there. Well, see, my um, goal, I just want to say real quick, strategy-wise, my goal is to annoy you all and force you to just give me the point. Uh, That's my goal. Just so you understand. I will point out, my strategy is that if you helped me get my five points, I could help you with that project, and I'd be a vote in favor of us being annoyed enough to give you the points. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm going to make some deals. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to try and make sure that if you try and make deals with other people that I throw out some shade. Well, if you make a deal with anybody but me, I will exclusively give up on my plan and just make sure we never watch a movie with a Russian person in it. Wait, I think you already made a deal with me, Hunter. Yeah, I already made a deal with Ezra. Yeah, yeah. That was to avoid a movie that would help you, Alex. Anthony, it's got to be us then. You got to help me here. If they're already working against us. Anthony, no, you've been busily, you, not Anthony, you've been so busily typing, I sort of feel like you've already solved this and you're going to win next week. Um, I got some plans, yeah. I okay. 
Hannah had one other recommendation that I want to tell you guys about, which was um, a, one of her standard book recommendations, particularly for people who like this show and like Pack Your Mics, um, but also relevant to us because Anthony, she knows you love Stanley Tucci. So Hannah oh, highly recommends Stanley Tucci. Tucci's new memoir, Taste My Life Through Food. So uh, the Tooch wrote a memoir about food, and apparently it's excellent and a real love letter to food. And as food and food TV goes, it, it, very enjoyable. And also for Stanley Tucci lovers, um, everybody would enjoy it. And oh, yeah. um, Hannah says, I made focaccia while listening because it makes you uh, really want Italian food. Oh, um, nice. And also the Tooch does, narrates his own audiobook, so uh, you should definitely I mean, listen to it on audiobook. Cool. Also, well noted, Emily Blunt is the Tucci's sister-in-law, I believe. What? Really? Yeah. Emily Blunt's uh, uh, so sister Felicity Blunt married to Stanley Tucci. You you can see her in the uh, Tucci's uh, Searching for Italy uh, show. So wow, Emily that. Blunt, John Kaczynski, and Stanley Tucci could be having Thanksgiving dinner every year. That's what you're telling me. Fascinating. Wow, that's <laughs> cool. Good for them. All right. Well, thank you for your emails. If you have anything else you want to recommend or if you want to help us out with the game, figure out what the correct strategy should be or what rules we should change. Do you think I should be able to keep Jeremy Piven or not? Let us know. Email us podcast at read-weep.com. And we really appreciate everybody who writes into the show. All right. That is it for this week. We'll be back again next week. Next week, we as we as previously mentioned, are going to be talking about the life aquatic so from 20, 2004. So um, come in for a nice... Um, a splashy wet month style Wes Anderson conversation. And um, we'll, I can't wait to find out what Anthony's pick is. Don't tell us, obviously, until the show. Tell us during the podcast. We can all learn together. Um, and then we'll find out what Hunter's going to do to try to annoy us and or move us back in time 100 years and into Russia. Uh, we really appreciate especially all the meat buddies who donate to keep the show. Uh, give us a fighting chance in this war against aliens. But I especially enjoy and appreciate hanging out with you three. Thank you so much for joining us, Hunter. Yeah, hey, thanks, everybody. Love you. Hope you stay warm, but not too warm. Thanks for hanging out, Anthony. Ah, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> and great. He <laughs> just woke up. We have to do the whole podcast again. And uh, thanks for hanging out, Iz. Mm, the cards the cards are so good, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I like the clubs. They've got a chocolatey flavor. All right, we'll talk to everybody next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.